Welcome to the Seven Cities Podcast. Our goal is to guide people to life in Christ at Seven Cities, and we think this content will be valuable to you. In this week's message, Pastor Jay is continuing our series, I Am, talking about how Jesus is the bread of life. Let's jump right into it. Amen, amen. All right. I'm excited. Are y'all excited today? Why are you? I'm excited because I get to talk about Jesus, not because of the Super Bowl. I mean, any Eagles fans in here? I've seen some Eagles gear. Woo! Where are my Chiefs fans at? Oh, well, y'all know that based on Scripture, whoever, whichever team has more people with Philippians 4.13 on their face is going to win. So just, just be on the lookout uh, for that. Super Bowls are really known for three things, right? They're known for the game itself, for the halftime show, and for commercials. What's your favorite part? Commercials, a lot of people say the commercials, right? Anybody remember that Hungry Man commercial? How do, you, how do you feed a hungry man? No, I'm just old. Man, when Cam said that that song was really old, I felt bad because I'm like, I thought it was pretty new, but uh, I guess I'm just old. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Well, enough of that. We're going to jump into our series today. We are in a series called I Am, and we're talking about Jesus in his own words because one of the things that Pastor Brian and I want for you guys is We don't want you to just know about Jesus. We want you to have a life-changing revelation of who Jesus is. We believe if you can truly see Jesus for who he is, that it will change your life. It will revolutionize who you are. And I believe that that happens through relationship because I believe that relationship with him breeds revelation in us. In week one, I talked about Jesus' statement before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus was clearly telling us, I am God. And last week, uh, Pastor Brian talked about Jesus, the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world, that Jesus is the light that dispels the darkness so that you and I can walk in light. And as the Apostle Peter said, that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about Jesus when he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But before we jump into the message, I actually want to take you into the classroom for just a moment. So y'all put on your academic hats with me for a second. I promise this will be quick. Don't fall asleep on me in this part because it's critical to what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to jump into the classroom for a second. If you are not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is broken up into two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starts with four books, and they're called the Gospels. And it's the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and the book of John. And they tell the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, all the way up to the point where he ascended back into heaven. Now, you may be wondering, why do they need four books to tell that story? Well, each book was written by a different author from a different perspective to a different group. The book of Matthew was written by Matthew, who was a tax collector who walked with Jesus, and it's written to the Jews. So Matthew starts with this whole genealogy of the lineage of David because it needed to connect Jesus to King David to be the Messiah. That's how the Jews saw Jesus. That's what they were expecting. The book of Mark is written by a man named John Mark, but it's actually Peter telling John Mark the story of Jesus. But the group that it's written to is the Roman audience. And because of that, the Romans, were they were into warriors. Like, they wanted battle. They wanted conquest. They were into warriors. So Mark skips all the genealogy stuff, and he goes into Jesus' miracles because he wants to present Jesus as a conquering warrior. So that's where you read about Jesus calming the sea and all of that stuff. Luke was a physician and a historian. So the book of Luke is written kind of as a historical account because it was written to the Greeks who were academics. They wanted to know all the details, the ins and outs. So Luke is probably the most detailed of all the Gospels. 
And then we get to the book of John, where we're going to be at today. And John is written by one of Jesus' disciples, John the Apostle, the one who says the disciple whom Jesus loved. But it's written to the world. John is trying to introduce Jesus to the world. So John spends a lot of time talking about Jesus' divinity in ways that you may not see in other books. Now, while these books were written by different men to different audiences, these books are also the only place where we really read the words of Jesus. And because we are reading the words of Jesus as he had conversations and as he taught messages, we have to read those words as though Jesus was the author and the people that he was talking directly to was the target audience. Because if we're going to properly interpret scripture, we have to ask ourselves the question, what did those words mean to those people? Oftentimes we go to the Bible and try to read those words through our lens, but we have to ask, what do those words mean to those people? Today we're going to look at just one verse to start off with. It's John 6, 35. And it's this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Hunger and thirst do something to us. They make us desperate. Hunger and thirst will make you desperate. Hunger will make you do things that you would not otherwise do. That's why some people rob and steal, and they will even kill and destroy just to get some food because they're hungry. And we read about these stories in other places of people going to steal food because they're starving. And sometimes we even judge people here who may steal food from places, but they're hungry. And hunger makes you desperate. And Jesus has told us that he's the bread of life, and whoever comes to him will never hunger or thirst Again, and it's important that we understand all of that background context that I told you, because John chapter six is a very long chapter. It's 71 verses. And to talk about Jesus as the bread of life, we actually have to go through the whole chapter. But don't be afraid. I'm not going to go verse by verse through all 71 verses, or we would be here till the start of the Super Bowl. And most of y'all would be very unhappy with me. But we're going to talk about chapter six as a story, in a sense. If you read John chapter 6, it starts with Jesus feeding a large crowd. He has five, it says 5,000 men plus women and children are out there. And Jesus is trying to feed this crowd. They've been listening to him preach all day and they are hungry. And Jesus knows that hunger makes us desperate. So Jesus is like, we need to feed them before they go away. So they find this little boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish and Jesus multiplies it. And he feeds the whole crowd from these five loaves and these two fish. And it says that there was so much left over that they filled up 12 baskets of food that they just, I don't know what happened to it. They had a buffet. Somebody else had an after party or something. I don't know. But they had 12 baskets of food left over. Scripture says in that moment that the people wanted to take Jesus and make him king because they had just seen this great sign. But Jesus, it says he withdrew from them. He went away to the mountain to pray. And it says that while Jesus was away praying, the disciples got into a boat and headed across the sea to a town named Capernaum. And Jesus, when he got done praying, spending time with the Father, refreshing and rejuvenating, Jesus goes down to the dock, sees that the boat is gone. It's like, you know what? I'll just walk to the other side. So Jesus walks on water. It says he walks about three or four miles out into the sea, and the disciples saw him, and he said, don't be afraid, it's me. Have you all ever seen somebody walk on water? I have once, but it wasn't really them walking on water. I was actually near a military installation, and somebody was standing on top of a submarine, and it looked like they were walking on water, and I was like, hmm, okay. All right, second coming, but okay, not like that. But they see Jesus, and they're afraid. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. And so it says that they cl- he climbed into the boat, and in verse 21 of chapter 6, it says, immediately they were at the other side. 
So Jesus not only has this miracle of walking on water, but Jesus gets into the boat and immediately they are where they were going to go. So this crowd that he left back, this crowd that he fed the day before, they get up and they're like, man, Jesus is gone. Where'd he go? And they go down to the dock and they see that the boat is gone and they hear that this boat left for Capernaum. So they hop in their boats and they go to the other side of the sea to get to Capernaum. And when they get over there, they find Jesus and they say, hey, man, how'd you get here? And I know if Jesus had been like, hey, man, I just walked. They would be like, wait, what? But they're like, how did you get here? When did you come here? And Jesus says to them something very important in John 6, 26, 27. It says that he answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not, seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So they asked Jesus, like, hey, man, what do we need to do to get this stuff that you're talking about? What do we need to do to get this eternal life from you? And Jesus had just told him, like, that God has sent his son for this purpose. And they say, well, what sign are you going to do? What miracle are you going to do to show us that you're this person that we're looking for? Really pointing back to what Jesus just said, you're only here because your belly's got filled. They wanted another sign, another miracle, as though Jesus taking five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding 5,000 people was not enough of a sign. They needed more of a sign. Not only did they stop there, but they went on to say, our fathers, talking about their ancestors from the book of Exodus, they ate the bread that came from heaven. They ate the manna that God brought down from heaven. Are you going to feed us that way? Jesus said to them again, and then this is in verse 32, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They were hungry. And they didn't want to have to eat anymore. Jesus said that you can have this bread that comes down from heaven. You're never going to be hungry again. And they said, give us this bread always. I want to point out something really quickly because that crowd, that crowd of people pointed back to the miracle that happened a thousand years prior to this in the book of Exodus. They looked back to say that our fathers ate this bread that came down from heaven And I wonder if they were so blinded because of the way God did something before that they couldn't see how God was moving in this moment. I wonder if they were so expecting the Messiah to come and and God to come through the way that he did before. I wonder if they were so busy looking for manna from heaven and looking for seas to part that they missed the Son of God right before them. They were so busy looking back and expecting God to act in the way that he had before that they missed Jesus right before their face. And that brings us to today's verse where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not or never thirst. But there's a little more that Jesus says that I want to highlight for you today. He said, but in verse 36, but I said that I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. They were asking for another sign. And Jesus is like, look, you've seen me. You saw the sign that I did. You've seen the miracles I've done. You've seen people's withered arms grow back, and you've seen sight restored to the blind. You saw me feed you. You ate of the food that I provided. Your bellies were filled from five loaves and two fish, and yet you do not believe. And then Jesus says in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, 
and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. There's three things I believe Jesus is saying here. And yes, there's three because I'm Baptist. There's three things I believe Jesus is saying here that I want you guys to catch today that the crowd didn't catch when he was talking to them, when he said, I am the bread of life. And the first thing is this. I believe Jesus was saying to them, I am the God who sustains you. I am the God who sustains. I am all that you need. You don't have to look anywhere else for sustenance. I am the God who sustains you. My question for you today, church, is what are you looking to for sustenance? What are you looking to to sustain you? Are you trying to be sustained by something that the world offers? Maybe you're trying to be sustained by your own job or your own income, or maybe you're trying to be sustained by a relationship or a marriage. Maybe you're looking to your spouse to sustain you, and the the problems in your marriage are because they weren't designed to be your sustenance. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the God who sustains you. You need to look to Jesus. You can't put that pressure on another person, on another relationship. Jesus is the God who sustains you. Anything that you look to for sustenance that's not named Jesus will leave you wanting for more. It's going to come up lacking. Jesus said, I am the God who sustains you. They talked about the manna that they got that their fathers got from heaven. But hear this, that manna that they got for heaven, they got just enough for one day. But when Jesus came and he did this miracle with the loaves and the fish, they collected 12 basketfuls that were left over. I think Jesus was trying to tell them at one point in your and your fathers ate just enough for the day. But I am more than enough. It's not just going to be enough for what you need today. Jesus is saying to you that I am the God who sustains you. It's going to be more than enough than what you need. I am the God who sustains. So my question to you, church, is are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you looking to be filled by something? And if so, what are you looking to to fill you? Because anything that you try to fill yourself with other than Jesus, it's going to be temporary. It's going to come up short. Jesus is the God who sustains. The second thing I believe Jesus is saying to us in this moment here is, I am the God who satisfies. I am the God who satisfies. And I know I've used the word hunger a lot in this message, but You ever been hungry? And I know we use that term loosely. Like I grew up pretty poor, but I never went hungry because my grandma always made sure we we ate, you know. But as Americans, we'll talk about, man, I'm so hungry. And I think most of us don't really know what hunger is. I could probably afford to not eat a couple meals and be okay, right? But we use that term hunger. Have you ever been really hungry? Have you ever been really thirsty? When you're really hungry and you go to the refrigerator and you eat something, but it doesn't satisfy you, what do you do? You go back for more, right? You keep going back for more. Now, our refrigerator at home has this little glass thing you tap on and it lights up so you can see what's in there so you don't have to open the door. It don't stop us. We still open the door all day long, right? You're going back for more because you're not satisfied. I have had a time in my life when I was really thirsty Back in 2005, I got diagnosed with diabetes. Y'all pray for me. I'm like a walking medical condition, diabetic, back problems. Dad, Rashida, why you married me, girl? I'm broke. Tore up. <laughs> but I remember I was at work one day, and I was sitting there, and I had, I had a bottle of water, and I had a bottle of Gatorade, and, and I had something else that I was drinking, and I'm drinking all these bottles of stuff, and I just keep drinking and drinking and drinking. And my boss looks at me, and she used to be a nurse, and she's like, um, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you've got like eight bottles on your desk and they're all empty and you just keep drinking more. What's wrong? It's like, I'm thirsty. 
And no matter what I drink, I just keep feeling thirsty. And she's like, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I did used to be a nurse. You probably need to go to the doctor right away. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just thirsty. And she's like, no, there's something wrong. She's like, I think you're diabetic. You need to go get checked out because that's one of the symptoms. You're just super thirsty all the time and, and nothing will quench that thirst. And so I've been in that place where my thirst wasn't satisfied and I kept going back for more and for more and for more and, and nothing, no matter what I did, would quench the thirst because it wasn't solving the problem. But Jesus says that I am the God who satisfies. And many of us are unsatisfied in life because we're looking to the wrong things to quench a thirst that only Jesus can quench. Speaking of old songs, I've been listening to an old song all week just preparing for this, this message, and I'm going to read the lyrics to it. Some of you will know this song because you're old like me, and, and others who are younger will not. But the song said this. It says, who can satisfy my soul like you? Who on earth could love me and comfort like you do? Who could ever be more faithful, true? Who can satisfy? Who can satisfy like you? And then the song goes on to say, there is a fountain. Who is the king? Victorious warrior and Lord of everything. My rock, my shelter, my very own. The blessed redeemer who reigns upon the throne. What are you looking to, to be satisfied? Because nothing will ever satisfy you like Jesus. You will keep looking and keep having to go back for more and more and more. But Jesus says, I am the God who satisfies. I am the God who sustains you. I am the one who will provide for you. But not only will I sustain you, I am the God who satisfies. These people followed Jesus. They followed him across the sea because although he had filled their bellies once, they weren't satisfied. They wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted more. But Jesus says, I'm the God who satisfies. And the third thing I believe that Jesus says is this. I am the God who sustains and satisfies for all eternity, for all eternity, that what you are looking for is not a temporary thing, but I can give this to you for all eternity. If we look back at verse 37, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know what's interesting about the things that we look to for sustenance and satisfaction outside of Jesus? Don't they always seem to make us more of an outcast? Don't they seem to always remove us or make us further away from where we really want to be? Some of us look to things, we, we look to like drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography and all these different things because we're looking for some type of temporary satisfaction, but those things tend to separate us from where we truly want to be. When Jesus says, if you come to me, I will sustain you and I will satisfy you for all eternity. I will never cast you out. I'm not going to separate you from me. I'm not going to push you apart. I'm going to bring you in. And not only will I bring you in, but I will keep you. And you never have to worry. Hear me in this. Some of you are fearful because you think that the floor is going to drop out from underneath you. You think that you can lose your salvation. You think that the God who chose you, who gave his son to die for you, who bled on a cross for you, is somehow going to take that away from you because you find yourself not worthy. Hear me clearly. Jesus says that I'm the God who sustains and satisfies for all eternity. All that the Father gave me, I will never cast out. You cannot be taken from his hand. He loves you, and he died for you, and he's going to sustain you, and he wants to satisfy you. But you have to look to Jesus for that satisfaction. And he will sustain you for all eternity if you belong to him. You might be thinking, Pastor Jay, you said if. Like, what does that if mean? If you belong to him. 
Remember that context stuff that I talked about in the beginning? Man, I shouldn't have wore a sweater today. I'm up here sweating. <laughs> that context stuff I talked about in the beginning, about these, these audiences that, that Jesus was talking to, like Jesus is standing here and he's having this conversation with this crowd of people that followed him across the sea. The crowd that followed him followed him because they wanted something. They wanted more. Jesus was like, you're not here seeking me because you want me. You're here seeking me because you had your belly filled and you want to fill that again. Like you had this temporary fix and now you've crossed over this sea. You've come pursuing me, not because you want a relationship with me, but because you just want me to fill your belly again. See, there was this, this crowd, but then there was also this other group of people that were there that were called. You have the crowd and you have the called. The ones that the father gave Jesus, the ones that the father said, you know what, because, because I gave you to my son, you can never be taken away. Jesus said those were the ones that he would never cast out. Over the next 30 verses or so of chapter 6, Jesus has this conversation back and forth with the crowd. Because Jesus said, I'm the bread of life and, 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 and I will sustain you. I will be the God who satisfies you. But Jesus tells them, he's like, hey, if you want to partake in that, you have to eat of my flesh. And they're like, what's he talking about? This man wants us to eat of his flesh. Like, how can we do that? They weren't weren't understanding what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying to them that you have to partake in me. Like, you have to be in a relationship with me. Like, I have to dwell in you and you have to dwell in me. He wasn't saying they need to physically eat of his flesh, but that's how they took it because their ears were closed and their eyes were closed and they couldn't see clearly what Jesus was talking about here in this moment. And this was the crowd. And it says in verse 66 of this chapter that after Jesus said to them, that you need to eat of my flesh, it says that many of them turned and followed him no more. Many of his disciples turned and didn't walk with him anymore. They said, man, this is a hard saying. Who could hear this? It says they turned and left. The same crowd that Jesus fed the day before, the same crowd that followed him across the sea, Jesus said something to them that they didn't like. And so they turned and walked away. And so Jesus turns and he looks at the 12. He looks at the disciples who were a part of his crew. And he says, do you want to leave too? Are you going to go away too? And it was Peter who looked at Jesus in that moment and said, where shall we go for you have the words of eternal life. And we believe that you are the Holy One from God. And the reason I said if a second ago is because part of what we have to understand, church, and part of what you and I have to figure out in our own lives is, are we a part of the crowd or are we a part of the called? Because I believe that some of us, we come to church because maybe church did something for us at some point. Maybe we were down or depressed and we came into church and we heard a message that made us feel good. Or, or maybe we had a bill to pay and the church paid our bill for us. And so now we're here in this church and we're just looking for more. We're looking for the next thing. We're looking for the next sign or we're looking for the next miracle. And then we hear something that we don't like. And, when, and the preacher says, hey, we got to stand on God's word. And there's some things in here that we don't like. And so we turn and we walk away. Or maybe we're part of that crowd that, Jesus, I'm going to follow you faithfully until it intervenes in my life, until it makes me uncomfortable in some way. And so we come to church regularly, or we go out and do things in the public regularly until it gets a little bit hard. And then it's like, man, this is a hard thing. I don't want to do this no more. And we turn and walk away. Or are you part of the called? The ones that you know, you belong to him, that he's chosen you, he's called you giving you a holy calling. And no matter what comes your way, you're never going to walk away because you're in his hand and you can't be taken from him. We have to understand like which group are we a part of? Jesus is talking to two audiences here. He's talking to the crowd and he's talking to the called. We have to figure out which group am I a part of? 
the crowd of the cold. This crowd, they were jumping from high to high to high. They were just following Jesus because they wanted to see miracles. They wanted to see signs. Jesus was a genie to them. He was a wizard. He was some type of parlor trick. They just wanted more of him. But they didn't really want him. Where are you at today in that? The called caught it. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Nathaniel and Matthew and Thomas, these guys, they caught it. And because they caught it, they came to Jesus and he filled their hunger and he filled their thirst and they never hungered and thirsted again. And that is why that as they're being dragged off to prison and beaten in public and flogged and their, and their things are being ripped away from them, that's why as they're being crucified on crosses upside down and beheaded and boiled in tar and stoned to death and beaten with rods, that's why the people in the community could look at them and say, even though they're going through all of that, I want what they have because they don't hunger and they don't thirst anymore. Because they have a real revelation of who Jesus is. And I want that. And that revelation comes from relationship. And again, church, I don't want you to just know about Jesus. I want you to have a life-changing revelation of who he is because when you experience him as the bread of life, your life will change and you will never be the same again. And I've experienced him as the bread of life. As David said, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And that's what I want for you. But I also was a part of the crowd at one point. And I was a part of that crowd that was looking for more, more, more. And you may have your own thing that's, that's the more for you. Maybe for you it's drugs. Maybe for you it's alcohol. Maybe for you it's sex. I'm not going to lay all my stuff out here up front, up front and tell you what all my stuff was. But I've had those moments. I've been a part of that crowd. And I've done those things. And it always left me going back for more. And no matter what I did to fill myself, it was never enough. And then I encountered the bread of life. And I've never been hungry or thirsty like that again. And that's what I want for you, church. I want you to experience Jesus in that way. Because otherwise, we kill ourselves trying to get more and more and more. And for me, it got to the point where the thing that I was pursuing left me so empty that my only thought in that moment was, there's nothing else for me to live for. I might as well just end it all. So I tried to take my own life. Thankfully, I didn't succeed. Wasn't even good at it. You don't ever have to feel that way. You don't ever have to hunger or thirst again. Jesus is the bread of life. You can eat of his flesh. You can partake of him. And he says that once you're his, once the Father gives you to him, he will never cast you out. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or famine or persecution or sword that there's nothing, no mountain high, no valley, no, no river or sea that's wide enough to separate you from the love of God. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can experience that. You can have satisfaction in Jesus. You can be satisfied in him. But your heart needs to cry out, Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. I'm tired of being hungry. I'm tired of being thirsty. I'm tired of pursuing these other things. I want to be satisfied in you. I don't want to need drugs anymore. I don't want to need sex anymore or pornography or alcohol. I don't want to need more money or more possessions. I don't want to need more power, Lord. I just want more of you. 
Your heart needs to cry out, Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. And there were some of you in here today. Your heart is desperate. You're looking and you're searching and you're trying to find what you need in everything but Jesus. Stop pursuing a feeling. That crowd, they just wanted to feel full again. Stop pursuing a feeling and start pursuing Jesus. and You will never hunger or thirst again. There's a passage of scripture that I absolutely love and I'm going to read it to you. It's not going to be on your screen. But it's from the book of Revelation. And it's Revelation chapter 7. And, I, and, I, and as I read this to you, I actually just want you to close your eyes for a moment and listen to this. And really let the Holy Spirit minister to you through this. Because this passage of scripture is the future that awaits those of us who are in Christ. It's the future that awaits you and me, the ones that he promised that he would never cast out. And it's Revelation 7, 13 through 17. And it says this, and it The Apostle John, who wrote the book of John that we've been reading from in this series, I Am, also wrote the book of Revelation. John was close to Jesus. Again, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so after John went through this life of persecution and and he was the one that had been boiled in tar and and all that stuff, he was exiled to this island called Patmos because they were like, we can't kill you, so we're just going to exile you and get you away from us. And while he's exiled there, Jesus, his friend, his Savior, his Lord, allows him to see a glimpse into heaven. And Jesus gives John this revelation because there was relationship there. Remember, relationship breeds revelation. Jesus gives John this revelation. And this angel comes and tells John, like, this is what's going to happen. I know you feel persecuted. I know you feel broken. But guess what? We're going to be victorious. We're going to have the victory. And while the angel is telling John this, John is looking into heaven, and he says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and where have they come from? And I, John, said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And that great tribulation is a time where Satan is loosed on the earth, and and Christians are persecuted, and many are imprisoned and killed, and all this kind of stuff for their faith. But they refuse to turn away From their savior, the elder said to him, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. But then he says this. He says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall strike them, nor the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Some of you. have spent a large part of your life crying tears that you think have been wasted on God. He sees every tear that you cry. Not a single one is wasted on him. Some of you have spent your life pursuing things, 
hoping that the next thing you get will be the thing that fills you, that will make you full and that you won't be hungry or thirsty anymore. And Jesus would say to you, come to me, I am the bread of life. And if you take of my flesh, if you partake with me, you will never hunger or thirst again. Jesus would say to you that I am here. I am God. I am the light of the world. I am the one who's lighting the way for you to come to me. But not only am I lighting the way for you to come to me, when you come to me, I will fill you and you will never hunger or thirst again. And one day you will be with me in eternity. My Father will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Every tear of depression. Every tear of anxiety. Every tear from the hurts that you experienced as a child or as an adult. Every, every word that makes you feel less than or broken. Every time somebody put their hands on you when they shouldn't have. Every time somebody wronged you. God sees every single one of those situations. He sees every single tear that you cried. And he said, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. You never have to hunger or thirst again. Never. But you have to come to Jesus. And the question for you today, the question that you need to wrestle with, is am I a part of the crowd or am I one of the called? And the way you transition from the crowd to the called It's when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You say, Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. And like I said, church, I've been there. I've been that person that spent years in church. Every time the doors were open. And I grew up at a time where that was a lot. It wasn't just Sunday morning. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, student meeting, Monday night, prayer meeting. Like, it was a lot. And all the while on my way to hell... Because I was just looking for another sign. I just wanted my belly filled again. But it wasn't until I hit rock bottom, it wasn't until I hit the end of my own hunger and thirst and my own pursuits that Jesus said to me, I'm the bread of life. And I've tasted of him and never hungered again. And that's what I want for you. I want you to experience him in that way. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you need in your life. I don't know what things you're pursuing. But God knows. His Holy Spirit knows. You can go boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy to help in a time of need. You don't have to leave here carrying that stuff with you anymore. You can leave it all at the foot of the cross. Let it be covered in his blood. And he's promised to take every bit of it away. It doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. It's not all going to be rainbows and unicorns, but we have the blessed hope of knowing that one day we're going to be in heaven with our robes washed white in the blood of Jesus, and we're going to stand before him in the scorching heat is not going to touch us. We're never going to hunger or thirst anymore. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eye, and we get to spend eternity with him where we praise him and worship him for the goodness of who he is and for all that he's done. That is the future that awaits you. If you belong to him. The flip side of that, though, if you don't belong to him, there's another future that awaits you. Where all you will do is hunger and thirst for something that you'll never be able to have. Somebody once said to me that death isn't the end of life, it's the end of choice. And that while you're alive, that's your chance to make a choice 
who am I going to follow? And so today you have a choice. I'm going to follow Jesus and, and be a part of the called. Or I'm just going to keep pursuing good feelings and being a part of the crowd. Where are you at today? Well, that wraps up this week's message. We hope you have a better understanding of what Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series. Come on, come on.